this interview was supported by an unrestricted educational grant from Beatrice. Beatrice had no role in the selection of the topics or the selection of the speakers and has not vetted or reviewed the content of any of the interviews. The views expressed by speakers are their own and may not necessarily represent the views of the IMS. Hello, I'm Dr. Marla Shapiro, and I sit on the Board of Trustees of the International Menopause Society. And today, we're joined by Dr. Nicole Jaff. Nicole, can you introduce yourself to our audience? Thank you so much, Dr. Shapiro. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm Dr. Nicole Jaff. I'm an honorary lecturer in the Department of Chemical Pathology at the University of the Witwatersrand in South Africa, a member of the Professional Board of Psychology South Africa, I'm a council member of the South African Menopause Society and, of course, a member of the IMS. Well, we are thrilled to be with you today because you, along with Dr. Pauline Mackey, have authored a very important white paper called Brain Fog and Menopause, a Healthcare Professional's Guide for Decision-Making and Counseling on Cognition. So let's first start with something basic. When our patients use the word brain fog, what really does that mean? And for us, with their cognitive problems, how would we see them manifesting in menopause? I think menopause brain fog is a group of symptoms that happens around the time of the menopause. It includes difficulty remembering words and numbers, disruptions in daily life, you know, when you misplace items like keys, trouble concentrating, so absent-mindedness and losing a train of thought during a conversation, um, being more easily distracted, difficulty switching between tasks, forgetting the reason for doing something, like why you came into a room. So you come into a room and say, what did I come in for? Uh, forgetting appointments and events. And research studies have found that actually a woman's memory does change at menopause. So these memory complaints are very real, not only in women's imaginations. It's normal and common at midlife, and many Women say that these bothersome problems affect their quality of life, but it's reassuring to know that they're usually quite mild and will improve postmenopause. So, of course, that's the number one concern that women come in to me. They begin to see these symptoms and they say, well, does this mean that I'm on my way to dementia? And I often joke with them that if you can't find your car keys, it's one thing. If you don't know what your car keys are for, that's something more worrisome. But that, of course, is all the the major concern, okay, I've got this now, but does this mean it's going to be progressive and I will be a patient, I will be a woman with dementia? That's actually quite true and you're absolutely true in your definition if you don't know what you're using your car keys for. But I think, as you said, that these having these memory problems can really be very anxiety provoking. And as you said as well, there's been a lot of chatter on social media about menopausal brain fog and the subsequent risk of late life dementia. So many healthcare professionals, uh, providers find that when the people come into their office, they're anxiously asking, am I a candidate for subsequent dementia? But and I guess the answer is? <laughs> <laughs> the answer is immediately they would, you would say to them, yes, it's true. You obviously can't change some of the risk factors for dementia, like age, female gender, genetic history. But there's some very good news in that um, so many risk factors for dementia are modifiable. So if women do experience brain fog and menopause and have some of the cognitive problems mentioned earlier and are concerned about getting late life dementia, recent guidelines from both the World Health Organization and the Lancet Commission on prevention of dementia 
is very clear that if you modify certain risk factors, you can not only postpone, but actually prevent late life dementia. So and let's so talk about what those risk factors might be. What are modifiable that we can actually do something about? Can't, can't do anything about my gender and my age, but what can I do something about? Well, I think one of the things I love, a sentence I love is that a healthy heart goes hand in hand with a healthy brain. So a lot of the risk factors we talk to patients about to be aware of to prevent cardiovascular disease like obesity, hypertension and diabetes are very similar to the risk factors that are harmful for brain health. And I'd like to highlight that it's very important for midlife women to pay attention to these risk factors because recently a very large meta-analysis found that middle-aged people who had these risk factors and did not modify them were at greater risk for developing dementia in later life. So obviously, in telling your patients to have regular checkups and being aware of necessary treatments and strategies to manage obesity, hypertension, and diabetes are vital. So um, what about other risk factors? Well, just to go back to a few of the other, to the ones I've just mentioned first, I would say maintaining a healthy blood pressure and setting a goal for as low blood pressure as possible, being aware of weight gain, a BMI between 18 and 25, and encouraging your patients to have a nutritious diet. And to this end, the Mediterranean diet has been found to work very well in all cultures and easy to follow. Of course, start cutting down on starchy food and sugars and fatty foods and eating plenty of fruits and vegetables. And interestingly, these guidelines have been endorsed in the World Health Organization guidelines. So um, you've talked about other risk factors, cardiovascular fitness risk decreases the risk of dementia. So women would be encouraged to engage in regular physical activity. And a very large 44 year old Swedish study showed that high cardiovascular fitness in midlife, again, this midlife thing was associated with a decreased risk of late life dementia. So women should break a sweat when they exercise. <laughs> okay. So before I let you go, you can't sort of leave the, the notion of talking about brain fog with the association that we've seen in many long-term COVID sufferers. Um, and, and many of these occur in women before midlife. So can some of these symptoms be mistaken for menopause or vice versa? What are some of the tips that we might have that help distinguish? Well, it's, it's a very new area, obviously, of study, but it's very concerning that brain fog has been seen in so many long COVID sufferers. And they can be some, uh, uh, misdiagnosed as menopausal symptoms and not as long-term COVID symptoms. And in fact, there was an excellent article recently in the Atlantic saying that 20 to 30% of people are experiencing this brain fog. So I think it would be very important when discussing uh, this brain fog with your patients to find out if they did have COVID, has it lasted a long time, and what sort of symptoms they're experiencing, because it seems that um, executive function, rather than it, it seems to be prominent cause of SARS-CoV-2, rather than the menopause. So good to know that. So I think the message that I'm hearing is, is that a certain element of brain fog in that loose term that we use in and around the menopause is not unexpected, but it seems that it's a good warning sign to you that it's time to get proactive and there's never a too late message here. Yes, you're absolutely right. And just to quickly add in the other factors that staying socially engaged, challenging your brain, um, paying attention to your brain, doing some challenging skills and 
really staying socially connected is vitally important, especially if you've had a history of depression. So there's other issues that we need to be aware of in preventing and boosting, uh, preventing dementia and boosting brain health. Yeah, certainly we know that social connectedness is one of the great indicators of overall healthy aging, independent of brain function. So something to really make aware for us to really make sure that we continue to engage, particularly as people have been so isolated over the past few years during this pandemic. Exactly. And it's had some very dire consequences. So we need to be very proactive about that. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much.